are in the studio with Michael Card. I'm Wayne Shepherd. Mike, good to see you. Hey, good to be seen. Here's the secret of this podcast. Oh, we're, D- we're oh, wait. Are you sure you want to share this? Yeah, with I think we could. I think friends. <laughs> we're all close friends, right? Okay. The secret is that although we're heard every week, yes, we don't see each other every week. Right. It's been a long time since I've seen you. You've like, been to Israel since I saw you last. Yep. Was it maybe every three months we yeah, see? Something like yeah, that. Yeah, we do four or five at a time. So nice to see your face back in the Thank studio you. here. Thank you. Nice to see you too. You look great. You, if, if the audience could only see this really classy shirt you're wearing, you oh, look boy. like a wow. stepped out of a catalog or something. Wow. Listen to that. Yeah, I right. wish the same could be said for me. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we encourage listeners to email us. Yes. And uh, someone has taken us up on that. Many someones, actually. But here's one. Michael, I just came across your In the Studio podcast the other day on social media. Mm-hmm. I've been a longtime fan listening to your music to and from work on cassette tapes in wow. the mid to late 80s. Remember cassette tapes? No. You'd stick a pencil in there and wind it. You know? <laughs> no. Cassette. No, what's that? What That's is before so, my time. What is so wonderful about the podcast is hearing these great songs in the context of conversation and discussion of the word. That's cool. Thanks so much for this great production. Very cool. The that, listener gets it. You know? That was not. Yeah, and 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 we do them live, so you're not just listening to us. You know, CD. Right. Um, yeah. Well, good. Well, uh, it's 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 neat when somebody gets gets it. Indeed. Yeah. Indeed. Well, coming up, we're going to meet uh, a very special. Talk about inside things here. We're going to meet Ron Davis Mm -hmm. coming up. Ron is kind of behind the scenes helping you all the time. Yes, for the last 30 years almost. We're going to put him in front of the audience this time here. And he's going to hate that, so that'll be fun. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, Mary Frances Boley will join us later to talk about the scourge of sex trafficking, Mm -hmm. which is a real problem in our culture. So we'll we'll talk with her in the second half of the program today. Some of your music along the way here, starting with the song Freedom. Yeah, Freedom is a song that uh, I wrote uh, years and years ago. My son, uh, Nathan, who is uh, married and has a beautiful, uh, his, his, he and his wife have a beautiful daughter and have one on the way. We mm. just found out. Oh, I, I didn't know that. Way. Yeah, so yeah, Nate's had this wonderful turnaround in his life. He's, uh, I really admire him. He's a great kid. Um, but he had troubles growing mm-hmm. up uh, in high school. At one point, he ran away from home for a while. And uh, when he came back, or when they found him and brought him back, um, I've never done this before. I, 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 I went in the studio and just started playing and singing, which sounds like such a stupid thing to do. It was therapy, wasn't it? I, I guess. I don't know. But I've never done, I've never been that guy to write a song. So, so this song was basically me processing musically what I was feeling. And what I realized was, uh, I, I needed to be free from all these, uh, I don't know, all these all these feelings of being a bad father and, you know, having failed in this and that. And, uh, um, yeah, so there's there's a lot of pain in the in the background of this song. But the good news is on, on the on the on the far end, it's yep. it's turned out wonderfully yeah. well. Yeah, and we are great, free now as a family. A great answer to prayer to see the turnaround in Nate's life yes. and to hear how good he's doing these days. Oh. So Michael's going to sing that for us now. Freedom. I am lost And I am bound And I am captive to The shame that keeps on Holding me down And all I need To be found Is freedom the door would open and I'd be flying if I could find freedom 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 all the burdens we have borne all the losses that we mourn cry out Prison walls and bolted doors. Something keeps on telling me that I was made for more, that there is someone 
who can restore my freedom. Glad you wrote that, Michael. Mm, yeah. Thank you for singing. Thank you. Wrote, written in a time of pain, but yeah. for our blessing now. So, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Hey, before we meet Ron Davis, uh, let's talk about uh, your book, Hesed, Inexpressible, okay. Hesed and the Mystery of God's Loving Kindness, specifically John and Paul and their use of the word Hesed. Yeah, it's, it's interesting when you move over into the New Testament, uh, of course, Hesed is a Hebrew word, and we don't have Hebrew anymore. We have we have Greek, right? And uh, and and so what you have to do? Well, first of all, you have to realize the New Testament writers, for the most part, they write in Greek, but they think in Hebrew. Okay. Okay. So um, uh, uh, they they think in terms of Hesed, but you have to learn to recognize uh, Hesed. And so what you do, uh, what I tried to do anyway in the book, is you spend time in those passages in the Hebrew Bible that deal with Hesed, and then you learn about the world of Hesed. And then, so when you come into the New Testament, you you hear Jesus say in Luke 6 uh, that God is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Well, that's Hesed. That's clearly Jesus' definition of Hesed. Um, but then other times it's it's not so easy. In, 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 the, in the academic world, there's, there was a, there's a lot of argument about what word does Paul use when he when he's thinking Hesed, and I think that's uh, that's an oversimplification because I think he uses lots of different words. Uh, John is an excellent example of of this whole this whole phenomenon. John thinks in Hebrew. Yeah, that's a bit more surprising to me than Paul thinking in Hebrew. Yeah, well, John, uh, it, it, you know, it, the 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 opening phrase uh, of the Gospel of John in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the Hebrew title of the book of Genesis. Okay, all right. And he, he, he uh, book, bookends that opening statement uh, in Arcane. It's in Greek, but it's uh, Bereshith in Hebrew. Uh, it's the bookends of his opening paragraph. Um, and, and when, for example, John uses the word logos, that we translate word. Okay. Well, he, 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 he means the Hebrew debar. <laughs> and if you know about debar, it's um, in the Old Testament— in the wisdom writings, it's through God's word that he creates everything, right? So when you look in the prologue of John, nothing was created that has been created. By, by him, all, all things are made. It's, it's clear he's thinking in Hebrew, but he's writing in Greek. And that's actually kind of, kind of fun. Um, I just and, have this picture right now. I want to be in the circle someday when you talk to John and Paul about this. Yeah. Stuff. <laughs> <laughs> John's going to say, "Oh man, you got me." <laughs> but but the the most common phrase in uh, that, that that has the word Hesed in it in the in the uh, Hebrew Bible is Chesed Va'emet, which is translated grace and truth. Okay. Gra- uh, All right. Okay. And so Jesus um, full of grace and truth. That and that's John. So but 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 we have in Exodus thirty four. God says he's God says he's full of Hesed Va'emet. John says Jesus is full, so even the idea of fullness is mm-hmm. there. So John lifts that right out of Exodus 34, where God is defining himself. 
John uses that phrase when he's defining Jesus. So uh, those kinds of things uh, to me are, are, uh, are absolutely fascinating. When you start seeing how the writers think, uh, and Paul is another good example. Uh, before, like I said before, I think Paul uses several words uh, for Hesed. You, you, for example, well, I think kindness is the main word that he uses in Romans. He speaks of uh, that God's kindness is what leads us to repentance, yes, uh-huh. and I think that's clearly, I think that's clearly Hesed, yeah. uh, because what happens, the way, one of the ways Hesed works is my definition of Hesed is when the person from whom I have a right to expect nothing gives me everything, okay? And so Hesed is this extraordinary kindness that God extends to us. It's outside of covenant. You know, there are no, no strings attached, right? Yeah. Except if you refuse it. Of course, if you refuse it, then you put yourself outside of uh, his, his mercy. If you stubbornly refuse, he'll say, okay, your will be done. But so when Paul says in Romans uh, – that God's kindness leads us to repentance. That's that's a wonderful process when you realize that our God is a God of Hesed, and He loves me as I am, not as I should be. Right? That's part of His Hesed, His kindness, um, and that though I I uh, have a right to expect nothing from Him, uh, He gives me everything. I stand before the cross of Jesus. I look up at that cross and I say, I have no right to expect anything from you. I nailed you there. Mm. But what do I get from Jesus? Do I get a second chance? No, I get more chances than you can possibly yeah, imagine right. because that's Hesed. Okay. And I think uh, Paul understands that when we see the kindness of God, that's what pulls us towards repentance. Not so much fear, but this feeling of, um, I think it begins with fear. It can begin with fear. But I think when you realize the true nature of God, you think, what can I do? What, you know, what, do, you want, what do you want from me? You've done everything for me. What can I do for you? I'm thinking of Paul's list of the fruits of the Spirit. Uh, yeah. Hesed permeates all of those, don't they? Kindness is in there. Yeah, yeah but yeah. kindness is That's in what there. led me there in the yes. first place. But then I got thinking about the others. There's, there seems to be other manifestations of, of Hesed as well. Right, because Hesed is a whole world. Uh, I mean, in six different English translations, this one word is translated 169 different ways. That's in the Hebrew Bible. <laughs> not, not, that's not taking into consideration it moving into the world of the New Testament and and being incarnate in Jesus. Jesus lives it out for us so we can see, because that's the only way you really learn about Hesed. And fortunately, you don't learn about it really from reading books. What? <laughs> Say that again. Pregnant pause. Say that again. No, you re- you really learn about Hesed from seeing it. Okay, all right. right? And that that's why God doesn't drop a book from the sky. God sends his son to us, oh, and Jesus okay. live, He lives it out, this... this uh, um, this marvelous kindness That's of Jesus. the mystery of God's loving kindness. Yeah, yeah. So um, it, it really is, uh, it's a word, it's a concept that really opens up and resonates in the life of Jesus, which is ultimately why I'm so excited about it. Well, again, thinking of the fruits of the Spirit, mm-hmm. uh, it, it, I don't know if you feel like hesed is the root word of, of, of the fruits, but it seems to permeate all of those qualities, I, I, I doesn't it? I think the fruits of the Spirit come out of hesed, just like uh, the, the, the idea of grace isn't exactly hesed, and mercy isn't exactly hesed. Because uh, there, there are other Hebrew words for those those ideas, mm-hmm. but they still, they come out. It all comes out of this world of hesed, which I really, uh, I, I want to say, it's the fundamental characteristic of God. Okay. And when he defines himself to Moses, the first time he, he says, I'm full of grace and truth. And in the next sentence he says, and I show hesed to a thousand generations. Um but in that same description, when he's describing himself, he also uses the word uh, compassionate, long-suffering, all those things. And all those things, compassion comes out of Hesed, too. Mike, on one hand, we kind of see Hesed in everything, but you say there's right. a danger there. Well, you can. It's, it, it's grace and mercy and love and kindness and uh, loyalty. It's translated loyalty. Uh-huh. Um, and and the, 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 the danger is everything becomes Hesed. And I, I think... What we need to do is is keep uh, keep ourselves more in the world of Hesed, which has to do with, you know, I think the center of it is still kindness, loving kindness. But that's just my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's over the top, uh, and and it almost always has an adjective. So it's not just um, uh, love; it's extravagant love or 
faithful love. Okay. Or, you know, it, it, to do anything less kind of waters it down. Is that the yeah, idea? Yeah, yeah. And and again, it, it just loses sort of, some of its specialness. Yeah, it become when it's everything. It, when it sort of it means everything. It doesn't mean anything. And uh, I was just looking here. Um, here's another example from Paul. This is in Romans. Or do you despise the riches of his kindness? Well, that's got to be Hesed, okay. right? It's not just kindness. It's uh-huh. this rich kindness, uh, restraint, patience, not recognizing that God's kindness, there it is again, is intended to lead you to repentance. That's a passage we were uh, looking at before in Romans uh, uh, 2.4. Um, so, yeah, and, and, of course, ultimately, it comes to focus in the life of Jesus. He is – the word that became enfleshed, mm-hmm. I think, is the word Hesed. Okay. Um, I think Jesus, Jesus – Live that out perfectly. He's the embodiment of it, and the cross was the is the ultimate definition of it, the ultimate example. Most of his parables are about it. I mean, he he lives it out every day. He's his life is permeated with it. So uh, again, you look at his life and you go, okay, I get it. I get it. You've been living with this study for a long, long time. Yeah. Of course, the book has come out recently, Inexpressible. Yes. But you've been living with this for a long time. Yeah, I started 10 years ago with Lament. Uh, where I remember the word, that. Yeah. The word surfaced. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, yeah. Hmm. And so, and I think I sort of broke my brain. A, a better man should have written this book than me. I think I broke my brain. <laughs> oh, we're glad you did. I've, I've read some excellent reviews of this book, too. So, Inexpressible, Hesed, and the Mystery of God's Loving Kindness. Well, thank you for this brief conversation about it. We'll have Thanks, more. Wayne. In the, in the days ahead here on the program. Uh, a song before we meet Ron Davis, our, our behind-the-scenes manager mm-hmm. here. Uh, Jesus, let us come to know you. Yeah, and again, this is writing about Hesed when I didn't know what Hesed was. This is an old song. I look back on so many songs and I go, oh, that was Hesed. Oh, that's Hesed. So Jesus, let us come to know you is sort of this this plea to let me understand just, just how you've incarnated uh, the loving kindness of God. Great to hear John Ketchings on that cello. Yeah, John and I were together for a lot of years, but not as many years as our next guest. <laughs> we've been together. Thir- we've been together thirty years. Is that right? Wow, Ron Davis, welcome. It's good to be here. We're going to go behind the scenes of Michael Card. First of today. all, how do you like being compared to John Ketchings? How's that feel? <laughs> wow, I don't know that I'm I'm worthy. <laughs> <laughs> the instrument that uh, Ron plays is. Uh, all of the details and and um, he makes everything him sing, doesn't he? Everything that goes into yeah, it, it, it's an art in and of itself. You tell us what Ron does, Michael. Uh, well, he does everything. He, he you know he makes all the you know all the arrangements. He when he goes on the road with me, he does the sound. He pushes the faders. He sets the stuff up. I mean, he does every, everything except 
playing. So, Ron, when, when Michael's in concert or doing a conference, if people just turn around, they'll see you at the back. Most of the time. Most yeah. of the time, yeah. yeah. That's Ron Davis. Next, Say hi to Ron That's next right. time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and 30 years ago, uh, Ron came up to me after a concert, and he said, your sound could be better. <laughs> and, uh, and he was too. We, our sound system wasn't, it wasn't happening. And, and we started, that's when we started working together. And, and it's a long time. Okay, Ron, how is it you know all this stuff, how to do all these things? You're, you, you know so much about sound and booking arrangements and all this kind of stuff. Um, experience. Just living this life with him for 30 years. Mm. It's not a, I didn't, I didn't know this. I didn't know this is what life was going to be like 30 years ago. Right? Well, you started doing sound at church as a young boy, oh, right? Sure. I've done, yeah, I did sound in church. I did sound in college. Yeah. Um, for a singing group out of the college, the Baptist Student Union. Mm. Yeah. And it really is important, Mike, that it be done well. Well, consistently on the road, we people come up to me and say, it's never sounded so good. What, what did you do? <laughs> or I can understand every word you said. And and, uh, and I actually, I think one of my favorite stories is we were playing someplace, we, and, and uh, another group opened, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting in the front, and, and uh, it's, oh, the, the, the mix is horrible. There's like... One background singer who's louder than everybody else, and I'm just I'm just enduring this thing, and I'm thinking, oh, and I'm gonna I've got to go now, and you know, and all of a sudden it got real clear, and the volume was just right, and the mix was good, and I look back, and Ron There's was standing, Ron. he was helping him out, <laughs> he, he fixed it, yeah. <laughs> where was it? I bet you remember where that was. I think that was Taiwan. See, he always, yeah. That's the other that's the other gift Ron had. Yeah, here's the other thing: you guys have traveled the world together, haven't oh, you? Man, we have. Yeah. What are some of the places? Taiwan, Korea, oh, I know you've wow. been to. Yeah. Korea, Singapore, Philippines, Laos, Cambodia, Bel- Thailand. Belgium, all over England and Ireland. I mean, we've Austria, been Austria, every- Hungary. Yeah. Okay, Ron, yeah. You, you don't have to do this. <laughs> you, you have a large company yourself. Why do you do this with Mike? Why do you travel with him? Why do you make all these arrangements? You know, I just feel like it's what I'm supposed to do. I mean... You know, we we came together 30 years ago. When you get to walk with somebody, share life, you know, share your moments of happiness and sorrow and life and death and kids and, yeah, you It's know, more than a business relationship, isn't it? It's you guys are friendship. friends, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And I think a lot, a lot of good, I think a lot of people have been helped out of that, yeah. out of what we do. You got to tell us a story, Ron, of being on the road with Mike. I mean, is oh, there no, something that, I don't think something we can idea. tell? <laughs> well, there's a lot of there's a lot of fun stories. I mean, there's the there's a um, Ohio and the you know we had the three three gospel singers oh, with us was, at that point. <laughs> was that and, the bat? That was the bats. Yeah, and, you know, <laughs> that they're was their singing name? and they're singing really loud, and all of a sudden these bats start swooping down at their heads. And <laughs> that was pretty funny. And. They're watch. We're watching them over their heads. They don't know they're there yet, and all of a sudden, they see them right over them. <laughs> Everyone freaks out. How about how about the bus wreck? You remember the bus oh, wreck? Oh, I, re- was I wasn't hard. with you, but I remember you telling yeah. all about that. Yeah, was, coming out of coming out of Colorado Springs, going to California, and we crashed on I seventy there. Yeah, right outside of Vail. And boy, that was you know that was that was my first experience dealing with something like that, and you're kind of in shock for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think you've conveyed how serious that was. I mean, that was really, it was tough. What I remember the story was, okay, so they, I I separated my shoulder. They put me in the ambulance. They take me off. And Ron, who is, you you may not understand this, but he's one of the most tenderhearted people I know. Okay. So he calls my wife. This goes, so he goes, Susan, he starts crying. There's been an accident. He starts crying. And Susan goes, Ron, I need it. They they just took Mike away in the ambulance. He starts crying again. And she goes, this is my nightmare call, Ron. Ron." And so he finally said he's okay. And, you know, but uh, that was a bad, that was a. It took took over a year to put the bus back together. Yeah. And that's how bad a record was. Yeah. Yeah. We so, lost. We lost a few. We had to cancel like a week's worth of dates and stuff. Fernando but, Ortega had to do all yeah. these. Okay. Yeah. When you said you lost a few. I was worried there for a moment, but yeah. it was dates that you lost. Well, okay. Okay. Yeah, concert dates, but okay. not that. We we came back pretty it, quick. It's amazing. No one got hurt. It is from huh. that wreck. Well, you were hurt. Well, but not. I mean, were you it, in a bunk when when it happened? Uh, well, the the I was lying in the bunk, which I would have been fine. But the bus driver said, "Hold on, or we're about to hit." So I sat up, oh. and that's uh, I got thrown against the wall. Where but, were you, Ron? 
I was in the front, and oh, um, oh yeah, wait, wait, so, wait, 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 excuse no, wait, me. Wait, wait. The the angel who should have been taking care of me <laughs> was throwing pillows on top of Ron. When Ron came to, all the pillows in the bus were on top of him. Well, plus right? all the cabinets opened up, and there was coffee grounds and everything yeah. else on top of yeah. him too. Oh, but yeah, oh. yeah. <laughs> so you'll never forget that. No, I don't think I'll ever forget that. Hmm. Oh, there's probably, I think, time's still some residual. I, I can't lay on that side. Is that right? No, it hurts. Huh. Yeah. Was it hard to get back on a bus after that? It, we didn't sleep well for a while on the yeah. bus. Took a took a while. Both of you have taken turn driving the bus, right? Yeah. I mean, I mean, you're both qualified to do that. Yep. Yep. Of course, we used to used to tease each other about each other's driving, so that sure. was a lot of fun. <laughs> That's part of it. <laughs> but we're not doing the bus anymore. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, Ron, what do you see when people, what do, what do people appreciate about Mike's ministry? I mean, you see both the concerts and the biblical teaching in the conferences, so. I think it's, I think it's just the connection to Mike. I mean, the reality is he's the same person sitting in this room. Yeah. He's the same person we're sitting having a coffee um, as for, he is on stage. For better or for worse. <laughs> um, he, he gives people time. He really just, you know, spends time with people afterwards and talks. There's not, there's not that separation. There's not this alternative. Mm-hmm. One place on stage, one, right. per, but, one place in yeah. But let me say, we wouldn't be doing biblical imagination conferences if it wasn't for Ron. That was his idea. We wouldn't be going to Israel if it wasn't for Ron. That oh, was I forgot his idea. about Israel. Oh, of course, yeah. yeah. That was that was all Ron's idea. <laughs> I, I would come back from these He's trips. He's rolling his eyes right now. Well, I would come back from these trips and complain about all the things that I saw wrong with all these other tours. And Ron's the one who said, well, let's let's do one and do it right. And we've done seven years now, right? Seven years, Yeah. yeah. Well, we wanted to take a moment and say thanks to Ron, because it, it's, it's, in a way, it's thankless work, isn't it, Mike? Um, yeah. Yeah. All the details but, that go But he doesn't it. do it to be thanked. Oh, I know. Yeah. It, you know, seriously, walking with somebody and living with somebody all those years, having a brother like that, yeah. I was that's got to be some of what the disciples felt, right? Yeah. Because we're eating our meals together. You know, we're staying in the same hotel. Right. I mean, you just get you just get to experience life. I'm glad you used that word. I was thinking the same word. You guys are brothers. Yeah, yep. I'm thankful all those years ago that our sound was so bad that you came because <laughs> it's been a, it's been a good thirty years. Lord willing, there's more ahead. If you have a reaction to what's been presented so far, send a comment on Facebook or Twitter, or email us at in the studio at michaelcard.com. We've been talking about Hesed, and if you want to read more, be sure to look for Michael's book and CD when you visit us online at michaelcard.com. And you won't want to miss the conversation when we return. Mary Frances Boley on restoring young girls who are survivors of human trafficking. That's ahead in the studio with Michael Card. Next week, it's time for another classic session in the studio with Michael Card. We'll open the archives and feature a conversation with Michael as he explores what it means to be slaves of Christ. Dr. Lyle Dorsett talks about John Wesley and the abolition of the slave trade. And Steve Green joins us. We've packed a lot into this edition, so watch for the post and share this podcast link with a friend. Subscribe when you search for Michael Card in iTunes or Google Play. Michael, we're very pleased to have a guest join us on the phone now. Mary Frances Boley is with us of Wellspring Living. Yeah, I'm really excited to hear about all the aspects of this ministry there. They're helping uh, survivors of tra- sex trafficking. Yeah, I wish and, we didn't have to talk about this, but it's it's reality, isn't oh, it? And if we're going to talk to anyone, I think she's the perfect person Absolutely. to talk to about showing the love of Jesus and, and, and seeing lives transformed. So, Mary Frances, thank you for joining us today. Oh, thank you for having me. Mm-hmm. Tell us, what is Wellspring Living? Tell us exactly what you do and what, what the call is of God in your life to do this. Yeah, so uh, it was totally not in my life plan. I was uh, going to be a kindergarten teacher the rest of my life, mostly. Wow. And uh, God just allowed me to really get to know uh, some broken women and realize that there was so many marginalized women at, in 2000 and 2001 that needed support. And so just a really a group of women who had a heart for Jesus and wanted to make a difference began to reach out to young women and realized real soon that giving them things here and there was great, but they needed a place to land. They mm. needed counseling. They just needed everything. 
And so we opened in 2001 our very first facility, a residential facility for young women, um, 18 to 32, and providing for them counseling and life skills, helping them with their education, and watching God do miracles like I had never seen before. Oh, boy. Because I grew up in church, and, you know, I, I love church, but when you are in a situation where you're with young women who have nothing except Jesus, mm-hmm. um, there's just something very, very supernatural that goes on there yeah. as he heals them. I want to mention, too, that Mary Frances is the author of The White Umbrella. I'm sure that will connect with some listeners who have read that, and also a new book, Make It Zero. We'll talk about that in a few moments. As I understand it, Mary Frances, as as you you got into this in 2001, at least this is my best guess, you just kept seeing needs and kept addressing uh, all of the needs. I mean, when you described your ministry to me earlier, it was like you do everything. Yeah, and we didn't know that's what we were going to do. I mean, it's like you take one step of faith, and then God opens up the door to let you see what else you need to do. It's been Mm -hmm. like step by step. It's not been like we had a plan or a package from the beginning. It's totally been God-led. And, um, you know, our very first girl who walked through our doors was a traffic survivor, but in 2001, no one was really talking about it. Mm -hmm. And so Melissa actually taught us what she needed, and we just responded to her needs. So she Uh, needed counseling. She needed life skills. She needed a safe place. She needed everything. And so we really tooled and structured our program, and it has been like a guiding light as we, um, you know, work in creating new programming that we want to be sure we have comprehensive care around our participants. Well, before we talk more about this and learn what you're doing and what we can do to help, Mike, let's take time. Remember you sang in the studio for us one time here, Broken God. Mm-hmm. I'd like to go back to that and ask uh, Joe to play that for us here okay. now so that we can listen to it in the context of what we're talking about with Mary Frances here. And then Mary Frances afterwards, we'll talk more about Wellspring Living. Sounds great. Lord, for the lost, 
and the lonesome live in the studio, Michael Card with Broken God, Mary Francis. I think you see now why we want to play that song now. Yeah, yeah. You know, people who have been through the pain of trafficking and exploitation um, many times wonder where God is. Mm -hmm. And so you can't preach a sermon or just say a few verses for them to know and experience God, you have to live a life of love. You know, Romans talks about uh, faith is, uh, real faith is when you demonstrate love by your actions, and I feel like that has got to be the way we as believers live. Um, And this is such a beautiful picture of the fact that, you know, here are people that have seen the worst of life, but in their healing, I've seen these women and girls um, have such a vibrant relationship with God because He meets them right where they are, and they do see the face of God. It's just um, miraculous and almost life-changing to watch that happen because all of a sudden, here's someone that you know has had all kinds of horrible experiences, but all of a sudden, they look beautifully innocent. And um, they have such a deep uh, connection with God. And so I love the way you ended it. You know, I was unaware how it is, but mm-hmm. I, they, they never felt they could ever feel close to God, but they can. In their brokenness, they see Him maybe more clearly than people who've been in church all their life. That was my question exactly. Do you find that they, they understand Jesus in a more fundamental way maybe yeah. than we do? Yeah. Yeah, I'll never forget um, Melissa, our first girl. She really taught me so much. So she came in, and, um, you know, me, from my little Baptist background, you know, everybody's got to be this way, this way, this way. And so here she comes in, and she had the habit of smoking because Mm -hmm. that's her lifestyle, right? Mm -hmm. She found Jesus, but she couldn't get rid of this habit. So it was around Christmas time. We were all going to go shopping for Christmas um, presents and whatever. And so when I go to pick her up, the girl who was, you know, our staff that was working with her said, hey, Melissa really doesn't want to go shopping. She just wants to sit and read God's Word because she wants to quit smoking. Wow. And she did. For (laughs) hours, she sat in her little space, and she just read God's Word and read God's Word, and that was the end of her addiction. Hmm. And, you know, how we say the Word of God can do anything, we say it so easily. Mm -hmm. I've seen it. And so I vicariously, through their brokenness and watching them be transformed, of course, it's transformed me, you know, and my family. It's just amazing the power that God has and how His Word is so healing. And I'm, I'm guessing, too, that an incredible community must come out of this broken uh, group of uh, young women. It does. They care for each other in a beautiful way. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have, we have a little saying, once a Wellspring girl, always a Wellspring girl. They're always connected. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a family that connects because as you heal through trauma, you become close. Yeah. And you realize, um, as you experience God together, what the family of God is all about. Mm. And the, the, the people who've been through the program, then I, I'm guessing, become uniquely qualified to speak into the lives of the young women that are just they coming certainly, out of that world. They certainly do. In fact, our program coordinator that's for our women's program is a graduate eight years ago. Mm. One of the strongest voices we have and so balanced and, um, and gives them hope because they know where she's been. Mm. Mary Frances, these girls, they're, they're literally rescued, aren't they? They are. I mean, it's just an interesting, uh, you know, we have some of the wrong thoughts or myths. It's not like girls are kidnapped. Uh, The girls and the women that we um, come across almost entirely are girls and women who are vulnerable. 
they've had something in their life that has made them vulnerable, whether it's childhood sexual abuse or poverty or neglect. And um, so they're, they're really prime suspects for someone that wants to take advantage of them, and that's what traffickers do. It's all a business. And so they know how to say just the right thing and make them feel comfortable, make them feel loved. And then the trauma bond will happen between that trafficker and that girl. And no Mm. matter what he asks her to do, she still remembers that he loved her like she'd never felt love before. And so she does things that she really wouldn't do otherwise. What does it take to break that? Oh, God. Um, You know, most of our young girls come to us through uh, stings through law enforcement. In those first 30 to 60 days, she still feels like he loves her and that he really didn't mean to harm her. Mm. It's similar to, um, you know, domestic violence, you know, that whole trauma trauma bond or uh, syndrome that... The Stockholm Syndrome, right? Yeah, it's very much that way. Um, And so really, it's a matter of, just as I've said, you have to be... Jesus to these people. You can't speak it. You can't say things bad about that person. You just have to create this bond of trust. And as they begin to trust you and realize that you're not going to give them something and want something in return, then they move forward in realizing what's happened to them and that's not where they want to stay. And they really want a different and new life. And Jesus, of course, is that pathway. Well, tell us about the program. What what do these girls do when, once they're with you? Yeah, so our younger girls, you know, they should be in school, but school would not be safe uh, for them because of uh, all the things that's happened to them. So we have a residential treatment school in our building. So they're going to school, getting their education. We have a hybrid model because they come on all different levels. And what's amazing is they are smart, they're resilient, and they really move forward. They come in behind but catch up pretty quick while they're with us. Um, they're having counseling uh, at least once a week. They have um, therapeutic groups as well as a lot of uh, life skill building because most of them have not learned the normal things that teenage girls learn. Um, we also, of course, have a spiritual formation class because we want them to find Jesus on their own. Um, and so it's really more like I describe it as a vacation Bible school on steroids. <laughs> it's experiential, not, um, not lecture based. Um, And they get the opportunity to go on field trips. They have mentors. Um, It's just a beautiful uh, opportunity for them to somewhat reclaim their childhood. With our women, they're giving the opportunity to get their GED if they don't have it. Um, After they've been stabilized, um, there's a lot of therapy. There's lots of life skills involved with that. And then in our career segment, when they go into our community-based program, which is offering um, the GED acquisition and also moving toward a sustainable um, employment, we offer a Microsoft Office um, certification, and then after they complete their uh, career track, they get to partner with one of our amazing corporate partners um, for an apprenticeship for 12 weeks. It's paid for at least $12 an hour. So they're truly getting to move toward a living wage, which is something that would never have been able to have happened without this type of uh, intervention and support from our corporate partners like Delta, UPS, um, Accenture, um, even the city of Atlanta now is a, is a partner with us. That's gratifying to hear of their involvement. How, how many uh, girls, and is, is it exclusively girls? Yes. With our uh, Women's Academy, it's exclusively young women, 18 and up. With our girls' program and our young women's programs, the two other women's programs, all women, uh, we have a community-based program that's embedded in an at-risk school that is for boys and girls, okay. and those are minors, ages 14 to 18. How many girls are you able to help at a time? We're working with about 100 um, at one time, wow. and then with, inside of our school, um, in the last 90 days, we've worked with 118 students, um, and it's about half and half, boys and girls, in this very high-risk school. So at the very end, uh, um, I mean, obviously these young women are, are, are being introduced to a world they probably couldn't imagine existed uh, before. But, but the, uh, Wellspring Living's ultimate goal is? Really to, to end trafficking completely, to make it zero. 
And that's doable. We do we have the legal, the political will, all those sorts of things. You know, is, I really it, think we do. Uh-huh. When we first started, it was like it must happen in Thailand. It must happen in Brazil, but it doesn't happen in America. Uh-huh. But right. people are really recognizing that we're having a lot of support, both on uh, the federal, state, and local levels with a lot of awareness. And so as a result of that, I feel like that the will of the people is that no child, no person should ever be sold. So that's been great. I think the other piece of, especially as far as what we have been able to see is in our Women's Academy, where we have young women coming in from all over the community to go through this program. Mm-hmm. Most all of them are moms. And so that's a two-generational impact. Yeah. Wow. So that's that's where you're going to end it, is when you're able to go to that next generation and set up a circumstance where they aren't going to be as vulnerable as their moms were. Mm-hmm. And as we're in the school, the high school, which we feel like is a great model to go everywhere, providing this comprehensive care, the therapy, and really meeting them where they are, it's almost like early intervention so that they, they learn, let's don't go down this path. It helps boys recognize they don't want to grow up and be a pimp. So we're mm-hmm. at that early place of prevention um, when we're in the Women's Academy and in what we're doing inside the schools. But I, and I realize this probably is out, outside of the scope of your ministry, but can you tell us, is it, are, are people be, uh, being aggressively prosecuted? Uh, yes. And so we work with the FBI, the GBI, all law mm-hmm. enforcement to help with prosecution. Our girls are prepared to go to court and Good. testify. So we work alongside of them. We gather evidence along with them. And we also work with other partners to create laws that will prosecute those who buy or sell mm-hmm. uh, children. And that and must so be very that, traumatic for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. yeah. So we also work with partners that help to create laws that will prevent um, trafficking to, from continuing. So we're trying to end the demand. So if no one wanted to buy a girl, uh, there would not be a trafficker. Yeah. So we're trying to go in both both directions in prevention and in, in restoration, but also in ending the demand for trafficking. Wow. Mary Frances, you just seem to me to be such a pioneer in this wow. movement. You've led the way for many. Are, are others getting involved? Are you able to foster others doing the same thing? We are, yeah. It's been wonderful to see how God opened that door. We had many people that wanted us to come and open a facility in their city, and I just felt the Lord say, nope, you just tell them what you've learned. And so we have an aspect of our organization called the Institute where we mentor people hmm. and help them open facilities across the United States and even some in other countries. Wow. Isn't that great, Mike? <laughs> what don't you do? <laughs> <laughs> well, Mary yeah. Frances Boley, uh, thank you for your time. Mary Frances is the founder of Wellspring Living. We'll put information on our website. Uh, she's the author of The White Umbrella and Make It Zero. And it's so exciting, Mike, to hear what God's doing through this organization, yeah, making a difference. We want to keep in touch and, and see if there's anything else that we can do uh, to be helpful. I would love yes. that. Thank you. How can we pray for you? Wisdom is always the prayer request I have, mm-hmm. uh, just wisdom and knowing how to meet the needs of those that we uh, come in contact with. And wisdom is knowing what is the next step, Lord, that you want us to take. You got it. We will do that. Thank you. And let's uh, let's turn to Michael. You singing again for us. Again, this was a live recording in the studio. Come as you are, Michael Card. Come, come as you are, broken and scarred. Come leave your wilderness and come taste and see. Come and believe and bring your emptiness. Surrender your fear. It is safe, there is comfort here And peace from the storm If you're torn, there is wholeness here For the Lord is good And His mercy never ending Oh, the Lord is good And His love is everlasting won't you come 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 and see come and be free and let your heart proclaim in all he has done he has shown 
mercy and kindness. Come and be glad, there is joy you have never had, and a love that will stay, that no one can ever take away. And his love is everlasting. Oh, the Lord is good, and his mercy never ending. Oh, the Lord is good, and his love is everlasting. Oh, the Lord is good, and his mercy never ending. Wayne, we've uh, we've looked at Hesed mm-hmm. in this show, and we've uh, I think we've talked to a couple of people who really exemplify it. Yeah, Ron. Yeah, Ron. Ron is a person who, um, though someone like me, I have a right to expect nothing from Ron. <laughs> you know, because he's a very successful businessman he and gives doesn't in, he? in lots of other areas, and yet he goes on the road with me. He pushes my four faders and sets <laughs> up my record table, and and is a real servant. He goes to Israel. His favorite thing in Israel is loading and unloading people's luggage off the bus. Is that right? Yeah, and so he's yeah he's an amazing guy to and see. And Mary Francis the same. Yeah, in in a, in a whole other realm, Mary Francis is is uh, has given her life hmm. uh, to give a voice to these women who have no voice and to make a safe place for them. So. Yeah, we've seen some wonderful examples of Hesed, and, and everything that we've seen reminds me, actually, of Micah 6.8. Uh, mankind, he has told each of you what is good, and that word good is a big deal in Hebrew, tov. Uh, it's not just good the way we think of good. And what is it the Lord requires of you to act justly, to love Hesed, and to walk humbly with your God, and I think we've seen all three of those uh, dimensions uh, very well, you know, lived out in this program. I like that thought very much. Boy, this hour always goes so fast. Yeah, it does, but that's a good thing. Time thins out when you get closer to the Lord. <laughs> well, no matter how or where you hear this podcast, we pray the music and conversation has helped you go deeper in your walk with Christ. We hope you'll send us your story of how you've been encouraged to follow Jesus faithfully. We look forward to reading your comments and questions, and knowing you're praying for Michael and the team would be a great encouragement. You can reach us several ways. Send your email to inthestudio at michaelcard.com or find us on Twitter or Facebook when you search for Michael Card. We're excited about Michael's book and CD on Hesed that is now available. Find out how to order a copy of the book, Inexpressible, and the companion CD to the kindness of God. Look for these when you stop by michaelcard.com. And we hope you'll tell a friend about what you've discovered in the studio. They can subscribe to the podcast by searching for Michael Card in iTunes or Google Play. Now for all of us on the team, I'm Wayne Shepard. Thanks for listening to this edition of In the Studio with Michael Card.